Welcome to another Bitter Dreg Star Trek The Original Series Podcast. Tonight we're going to be talking about the episode I Mud. And with me tonight, as always, we have Eric, uh, live from Madison, Wisconsin. Eric. Hey there. And we've got Mr. Rob, all the way from Chicago. Rob. Hello, And fan. we have Mr. Andy, who I, I think has done one, but not for a very long time. And he, like myself, is here in Minneapolis. Hi, Andy. That's right. Hello, everybody. Great. Hey, Andy, your last one was uh, This Side of Paradise, wasn't it? I think he's right. Could be. Amazing. And we also did one on the Ultimate Computer ages ago, I think. Oh, oh yeah. Once in a while. Yeah, okay. Because we're doing them out of order on an experimental basis or something crazy like that. It's crazy. <laughs> so, tonight... Let, I'm going to start this one out just by giving a, a really quick uh, summary of my, my past with this episode, such as it is. I've always really enjoyed watching this one. I mean, growing up, I, I thought it was really funny. There, there, was, there was stuff in there that I just never got tired of seeing whenever the episode happened to come on TV. And some of it doesn't hold up so well today, and some of it I still think is pretty funny. But naturally, I'm pretty biased. I, I think a lot of this episode really just depends on whether or not you really get into the spirit of the, the humor. And it's also interesting that unlike our previous episode, Cat's Paw, I think this episode actually kind of knows what it wanted to do. It was pretty straightforward that it was going to be uh, not all very serious, uh, maybe even a farce. Which makes it pretty, mostly unusual, I think, throughout the original series. But um, so I'll, I'll, with that, I'll just open it up here. Um, Eric, do you want to put up, put out your two cents on this one? Yeah, sure. You know, um, I, I think this one, uh, IMUD, is really uh, enjoyable if you just take it for what it is, which is um, just you know like a tongue-in-cheek farce, and. I, I tend to agree that with you that it has the benefit of knowing that that's what it wanted to be. Uh, so if you just go with it and go with the spirit of it, which is, you know, in places it's uh, kind of surreal, but um, it's, a, it's actually a lot of fun. And uh, actually, when you come down to it, Mud, Harry Mud, is is really a pretty decent character and Roger Carmel did a great job with it with it. So, you know, it's not a great episode but uh taken for what it is, it, it it's still fun. Okay, thanks Eric. Um Rob, what what do you got on this one? Uh well, I I had the same uh not surprisingly, I guess. I have a similar history with this episode. Uh, thinking that it was hilarious, and um, but it, for me it didn't hold up as well, and I found myself uh, some of the stuff just hard to swallow, uh, not not only plot wise but also um, some of the misogyny elements, which we can get to um, when we get to misogyny corner. But um, and I found the the lightheartedness of it. Um, a little, I mean, I, I I try to get in the spirit of it, and I understand that because Mud is the is the central character in this episode, that 
we're not to take it all that seriously. Um, but um, I wanted there to be a little bit more uh, of the. I wanted it to be taken a little more seriously. The the plot, the sort of the logistics of things that it was really thin. Um, that went it really easy to um, to second guess a lot of what was happening in the episode. So there's an awful. It's interesting. There's an awful lot of stuff in here that it, it's so incredibly easy to poke holes in, and and some of the yeah. like you know the uh, um, oh hello what's what's the the lead robot's name Norman or that that yeah Norman, Norman who who really comes you know he comes he has this the performance of Norman is is so you know classic robotic and or to use a, a later example like a conehead's like voice like we will take over the galaxy humans you know that kind of thing it, it just yeah it's it's incredibly flimsy that way but i'll go ahead and let andy chime in with his overall impression well you know by all rights i i shouldn't say anything because there's a saying which is if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all but that won't stop me from uh, basically this episode, I find. No, that happens. rule doesn't apply here anyway, Andy. Obviously there's, there's, not. <laughs> there's, there are no redeeming qualities. I mean, actually, a few things. I, I did like the bit part by the uh, the wife with where she would come online Stella. and start yelling at, at... Yeah, that was amusing. But for the most part, this episode was very weak. And particularly the ending, the gimmicks. I felt sorry for those actors. You know, pretending your finger is a phaser and all the whistling. And, uh, that was really pathetic. See, I have to. Say, that's that's something I always laughed at when I was when I was a kid and saw it. I thought it was hilarious. Well, you know, for an eight year old, yeah, probably that is entertaining. But it's uh, it's out of place in my opinion. It's a little too much goofy uh, uh, improv then for you. But it's not just goofy. It's it's like it was written by an intern. It's just it's amateur. Eric, I heard you. Come on, what do you got? Um, I think. Well, I mean, I already I already gave my opinion. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, I think it's a bit harsh, but you know, if you don't like it, you don't yeah, like Andy, it. Andy, was this the first time you saw it, or did you do you have some past with this one? No past. No, just okay, watched so it for the first time. So really, really different yeah. perspective on it then. Yeah, I don't have the nostalgia to uh, to buoy me up here. I was just uh, trying to get through it. Yeah, I expected that it would buoy me more than it did. Actually, the nostalgia. But um, maybe we should talk about particular things then. Yeah, that that that's fine. It's. Um... Uh, well, why don't we ju- we'll, we'll shuffle things around a little bit since Rob you brought it up, but um, uh, misogyny corner, for example, um, th- th- this one is is got lots of examples of it. Um, a couple, of, you know, Stella is a great one right there. That that's that's one of those things that I think I, I Rob and I actually watched this uh, together, and I remember commenting to him afterwards that I, I actually felt a little uncomfortable even at some a certain point after that uh, this the scene with with the ex-wife robot and all that it, it's kind of creepy in, in a certain way i mean it 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 has a humor to it but at the same time it 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 almost goes a little bit too far and maybe that's just modern sensibility rearing its head so to speak 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how... Like you said, the, I guess the how much you buy into the joke, into the into the sensibility of the time, which is, you know, I guess, of a piece with uh, all those, um, you know, poor married man movies. Like, there was yeah. a movie that I happened to catch recently called A Guide for the Married Man. Oh, boy. Um, and, uh, well, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a little different because it's, but it's, you know, it's obviously the, the stereotype of the hectoring um, wife, you know, who's, uh, and, the, and the poor husband that, you know, um, and he can live out his fantasy by having, being able to shut her down, um, unlike he, he's able to do in real life. But I just, um, yeah, it, it, it bothered me, um, and it wasn't redeemed for me, you know, by having him suffer the punishment of being... With 500 having, of them? <laughs> 500 of them inflicted on him. It it didn't redeem it. I mean, I, I can see, um, I guess there's... You could interpret it that way, that, uh, ah, ha, ha, you know, that's what you get for... Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Trying to put put your wife in her place is you're going to get... Um, 500 copies? 500 <laughs> times. But it's also, it's sort of buying buying into the idea that, oh, gosh, yeah, women... Yeah, that, that, you know, that, that's like, you know, Harry Mudd in, in hell. Well, you know, right, you know the, right. stereos, the stereotype of Stella didn't bother me nearly as much as... I mean, that was easy to cast off as, as a thin joke. And seeing as I wasn't taking the whole episode very seriously at all, it was just par for the course. What I actually found more disturbing would, say, be Chekhov's, you know, lusty eyes as he's presented with these two android robots who are willing to do as any bidding. Oh, well, that's, of course, yeah, the prime just, second example of a misogyny corner. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm getting yeah. at. And that actually disturbs me more because it says... You know, he was genuinely interested, as though that would be uh, an actual alternative to having a real, you know, relationship with a person, as if that's all a woman it would be useful for. You know, it's, the, the the dialogue in that scene um, when he's sitting on the little throne there and and talking to the two uh, units, so to speak, is it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the kind of the the flip side of the the scene in Next Gen where Tasha Yar and Data get it on, and he talks about how he's fully functional. And it's like, because, yeah, because we says, are programmed to function as human females. And he goes, Harry Mudd programmed you? Ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it is. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I don't know. Uh, is it offensive? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the objectifying women or, you know, um, the idea that, that that would be some sort of fantasy for... Uh, you know, any young virile man is, I guess, not something that, not something that we've really left behind. I mean, it's still, I think it's still around, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and so, I guess I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm having trouble saying why it bothers me watching this episode now. Um, let, let me tr- put in a, oh, Eric, unless you want to. Comment on that. Well, I, maybe the reason that it's so disturbing is that it's a it's a reminder of what the the attitudes about women were back in the '60s, and you know, I, I guess it's kind of akin to well, not as intense or profoundly 
certainly, but uh, kind of akin to um, watching movies or television shows about the Holocaust, you know. It's, it's horrifying to believe oh, that... Up the Holocaust. <laughs> Sorry. But, I mean... Time it, to shut it down. No, just kidding. Yeah. You know, um, you don't want to acknowledge that, you know, something actually happened or that there actually were attitudes like that at one time. Um, but, you know, there it is. And actually, you know, I think we've come a long way, but there's still... a when you when you really boil that down, there's still a lot of that attitude extant in today's society, particularly depending on the groups that you're in and where you are. Yeah, you know, it's almost as though if you had this, if you did this kind of episode now, it would almost read as less sexist because we wouldn't, we would think, oh, how silly, you know, it's... Um well, and you know, it occurred to me that maybe, um, maybe you're you're just taking it entirely too seriously. Perhaps look at it as a not so much a farce, but a satire. Where is it possible that the the screenwriter or producers or whomever Roddenberry were actually lampooning that those attitudes and. Um, and such. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that there's such subtlety going on when the rest of the writing is so, you know, weak. Just don't buy it. Well, you know, one of the things I, I tack onto this this subject a little bit is that um, I was thinking. You think the all the the cast who's who are marooned on the robot planet and. Everybody, I believe, except Kirk, is tempted by some aspect of their captors. You know, you've got Scotty, he has the greatest engineering lab in the universe, and McCoy said, I could study here for the rest of my life with all this great stuff, and, uh, you know, Chekhov's getting it on with all the robots, and Uhura is, uh, gets a new body. And, but not Kirk. Kirk, Kirk that is not tempted at all by any of this. I, that's kind of interesting, and of course, there are a couple other things to tack onto our to the misogyny issue. Is that well, the one woman cast member is you know what what is she tempted by? Well, vanity. You know, I'm going to be beautiful yeah, forever that, and all that. So that, that's another good yeah, example right there. I know. But the whole issue, and also, um, that there are no male sex object robots portrayed. I, mean, I guess there, exactly. you could read in and say, yeah, there probably were some, but. It's not like one um, becomes really, a, you know, they're not a bunch of male servants that come and get it on with Uhura. Well, right. but that makes sense given that it was Mud who was orchestrating this whole thing. And, you that's know, true. Yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, I why, mean would, why would he... He wouldn't, yeah. you, in, in, unless he's bisexual, he's not going to be creating a bunch of hunky guy robots. Right. You know, but, it, it, you know, the, the, I mean, the fact that Kirk uh, the, is not... Um, He's just like going, oh, come on, get me out of this stinking dump. Yeah, and it's sort of, it, it's a part of Kirk's kind of super, superhuman um, attributes that show up in other situations where he's, he has at least greater immunity than other crew members to whatever. But he, he doesn't even show any weakness, though. No, and I think it's, a pro I mean, I think it's a problem because it, it really is uh, 
seems ridiculous that the crew is, you know, this these professionals are are so tempted um, by something, you know, presented to them in this way, and they're and meanwhile the Enterprise, you know, has been taken over, and yet they're 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 distracted. Yeah, they pretty much um, say uh, so easily. Like, well, well, so easily. You know, I guess there's nothing yeah. we can do. This is really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and it goes also back to the the way that Norman takes over the Enterprise is uh, also feels um, kind of under un, like underdeveloped and kind of just eh. or just a necessary contrivance Boy, that, to get them there. That was too easy. Yeah, it's incredibly lame. Yeah. Actually. Um, and that's what takes a lot of the I, I think fun out of this episode. If they, I mean, I, I guess that. If they'd made the the, the protagonist, or I'm sorry, the, the antagonist too uh, serious and too you know evil, um, then it wouldn't have been the kind of fun episode that would have Harry Mudd at its center, you know. Um, but uh, I, I think you know I feel like there should have been more uh, more for the crew to have to grapple with than just the you know these temptations. Um, Robots taking over the ship, and the and then by the at the end, if, just to, f- to complete the the thought, the end, the robots are are remarkably easily destroyed and thwarted um, by simple logic. You know, they have they have the ability to take over the Enterprise, you know, and keep the the crew captive, and and, 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 and even potentially the galaxy if you if you follow the logic of the of the story. Yeah, yeah, and then. But then they're they're thwarted by by what? What ultimately the liar paradox is what <laughs> shuts them down. With you know, smoke coming oh out my. of Norman's ears. That's right. so dumb. Oh my god. So I mean, you know, there is more to it. It's a little more subtle than that. I got you know stuff leading up to it, um, and you know it does go. Sort of the idea that they can't understand love, they can't understand human affections, and hu- human emotions are. Where, and that, but that's another theme, you know, that we talked about this, so that is treated a lot more, um, you know, is treated really well in other episodes and is kind of seems to be mishandled here. And I'll let you talk. Well, as, as long as nobody's talking, I'll go ahead and chime in on something else that I found interesting. Is It appeared that this episode, um, like some others we've talked about, actually had a fairly um, unique uh, musical score. Um, I, I rec- I, there's a lot of cues in this particular episode that um, I don't believe are in a lot of other episodes, at least not prior to this one. Um, like one of the things that sticks out is that the little little cut that comes on when the when Stella is activated there's this this you know this this wild craze sounding music in the background which really it was very effective actually but um, not not something I think that they came up with so that they obviously chose to write some original music for this episode which um, they had often reuse previous uh, cues for a lot of other episodes Oh well, maybe that's why I like the Stella bit. Yeah, I mean, I I thought the the music for this episode was was a, was more interesting. 
No doubt about it. Did you guys have anything on the the performances of this one? Um, no, the guy playing Norman is incredibly... I hate to say it, robotic, but... You know, of course, it makes you appreciate what they do in, a, in later on when they actually came up with the the concept that an artificial life form could not act like you know this this drone with no nothing interesting going on. Well, what do you they... mean in the original series? Do you mean John? No, I, I mean I'm I'm thinking of, of the by the time you get to next gen and you've got they, oh. not not of course if you had a, a, char- a recurring character like Norman, you know that would be pretty horrible, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also don't forget about what are little girls made of. That's right. Of course. Yeah. I, I'm forgetting uh, all about that. So they've already done this, and, and you know maybe it doesn't serve at least in if you try and get in the head of the writer of this one doesn't serve the episode very well to have the the main robot character be all that interesting. No, I think the robots have to be uh, robotic acting in order for this episode to work, for the story to work, right? Um. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's interesting is that there's this little exchange at the very beginning between Spock and McCoy, where McCoy is, you know, raising suspicion about um, Norman's behavior and, of course, how he won't report for a physical and all that kind of thing. And, and Spock is just putting him down and, and all that. And that, That's kind of an interesting touch. Well, as I uh, said earlier, uh, I've always enjoyed uh, Ryder C. Carmel's performance as, as Mud. I thought, you know, it's not brilliant acting, but it's it's very effective, and Mud's a fun character. Eric, do you remember the episode they bring, where they bring Mud back in the animated series? Uh, yes, I do. I, I haven't seen it in so long, I don't remember it. Um, is that one any good? Is it interesting? Um, you know, I haven't, I, I only vaguely remember it myself, uh, um, I'll have to check that one out I know sometime. they did a, yeah, are, are those available on iTunes? They might be, yeah, I know they're on DVDs, so, yeah, they're definitely out there. No, I haven't, I haven't seen it in so long, although, um, I'm on Wikipedia, I could, or not, the, Alpha, my Alpha, I could. Oh no! I'm just just curious what uh, what they did with that character in a in that episode which came after that. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah, I wouldn't say from my point of view there were any performances that were outstanding. It just felt to me like they were kind of grinding it out, and it was kind of boring. It, I'm like a broken record on the negative. Oh, it's oh, uh, okay. Comment. But I I do have one quote for you on that line, which is, you know, time may be eternal, but our patience is not. Of course, that's your next-gen cue. Ah, yes. Well, do you guys have anything else? Did we cover this one pretty well? Um, I I can't think of anything in particular. I mean, uh, the... The major themes here that I I got from it were, um, well, the whole um, man versus machine or artificial intelligence, and that's 
definitely a recurring theme in Star Trek, and it's been has been and will later in the series be dealt with in a much more satisfying way. Oh yes, and has been. And then, <laughs> yeah, and the um, the other one is the the whole humans, well, humans versus paradise. You know, we're humans meant to be in a paradise where they can have whatever they want and is that really a, a good sort of situation but this one didn't even have a, a big speech by Kurt talking about marching to the beat of drums and things like that I did a little bit yeah I I, I mean, sometimes you just get you, you get waiting for for Shatner to give a big rousing speech about you know we weren't meant for paradise yeah yeah but 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 definitely, so, um, yeah, you know, humans one, robots zero. Yeah. I I guess um, you know maybe since I, I you know I was I don't know how many times I've seen this episode and uh, the first time I you know I was very young when I saw it for the first time so so maybe um, the fact that I've had a number of years to. Uh, learn not to expect much from it means that I can actually enjoy it just as a tongue-in-cheek satire or farce. But mm-hmm. That's my two cents. Okay. Um, I I know we, we Rob and I did view the uh, the special or enhanced version and all that, and there weren't too many differences in it. One of the things I noticed they did that was slightly different was when at the beginning of the episode, when Norman reveals that he's a robot, um, he lifts up this little plate on his chest, and you normally saw some circuits or something, and they they spruce that up with some slightly more modern-looking stuff. Um, otherwise, you know, the usual space shots, things like that. I'm I'm not sure there was much else that was different in this one. Yeah, I want to add that on a positive note that I really like the design of the um of the planet, uh, set. I thought it was really interesting and really different. Um, and all those triangular doorways. Which, which I, I have to point out, Rob, not to, you know, rain on your parade here too much, but, uh, looks to me like it was stolen from the set of Forbidden Planet. I was just going <laughs> to okay, say that, in okay. fact. Um, so, so that the... Or, or an, yeah, go ahead. an homage to Forbidden Planet. Nothing wrong with no, that, no, though. No. You know, evoking the strangeness of alien architecture... So, you know, who knows? Maybe these guys used to serve the Krell. I don't know. There's an idea. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> talk about attributing something that it really doesn't deserve. <laughs> Mighty wow. Krell. Which Andy has still not seen. I, I keep pointing that out. Well, what Andy, you've never seen Forbidden Planet? <laughs> well, we'll have to podcast about it when I, he'll, when he'll, I get that. He'll probably hate it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about misogyny, corner? <laughs> yeah, well, the yeah. Altera. Well, lower, lower, lower my expectations now, so then maybe okay. when I see it, I'll actually be surprised. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think. I'm sure some of it you'll, you'll laugh at, but you know that's all right. It was the Star Wars of the 1950s. <laughs> yeah, that one actually. I, have we had? We haven't had a chat about that movie, have we? No, we haven't. That might be fun. It was 1956 too. Yeah, yeah. That one is a lot of is is somewhat related to what we talk about because I I think it lays a lot of groundwork for Star Trek. Uh, 
Oh yeah, the ideas are, are certainly familiar. So yeah. Well, we'll have to have a a special Christmas episode of Bitter Dregs Star Trek podcast oh. and focus on that. Show. There you go. We'll we'll do we'll plan on that. Well, I think I'm going to wrap this one up, um, guys. Thanks for an enjoyable chat as ever, and we'll uh, we'll do it again for that, and also for I believe Metamorphosis. Is that the next one? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, and we'll get to some of us at least. We'll probably see the new and improved energy being to see how that, oh, how yeah. that goes. But <laughs> but anyway, um, again, thanks. If anybody's listening, thank you, and feel free to drop us a comment on the website and thanks for tagging along Andy sure my pleasure thanks for having me good night everybody night